Hello. It's good to see you, Mr. Nick. Mama. Good to see you. Mr. Rod. Buddy, I sure miss your face. Mr. Nick. Yep, I'm doing good, Mr. Nick. Mr. Tim. You got quite some time now, my friend. You are, uh, you are in the green. Hey, looks like the wifey's watching. Good, good, good. Royce! Hey, brother! Welcome. Welcome in, my friend. Mr. Nick, it's good to see you. Mr. Ron, sure I miss you. Miss you guys. Miss an old handshake, you know? Nothing, nothing like an old handshake. Down south, we're real big on hugs. That's probably why it's such a hot spot down there is we're a bunch of huggers, you know? I'll give us just a few more seconds and uh, and I'll kind of kick us off. You guys doing good? Shoot a message in there or thumbs down. Deacon says thumbs down or thumbs up. Uh, maybe the quarantine is, is wearing you out. You can thumbs down or maybe you're doing all right and you figured out a new way around it. Thumbs up. You know, good thing it ain't snowing out there. We'd be in trouble. <laughs> Hello, Lana. It's good to have you on here. Yeah. Oh, man, you ain't lying, Royce. I'll tell you what. We are going to be loving uh, fellowship when we get to be around each other again. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll wait just a few more seconds. Man, we're going to have some real fun tonight. Just real practical stuff. We're going to all do this together tonight. And uh, I love that. There ain't nothing better than sitting and doing what you're talking about and experiencing it right there. There's nothing better than that. It's not like, hey, we can try this out in May or August or whatever. We do it right tonight. Uh, so I, uh, I think we got, yep. I think everybody that that I'm aware of is 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 on, and I'm sure people will kind of trickle in, which is totally fine, no problem. Um, a lot of people kind of wait a little while until they get on, which is fine. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I just want to, uh, you know, not jump too fast and get moving too quick. Okay, well, Mr. Isaiah, hello, my friend. Okay. We're going to get, get going. Uh, I'm going to pray and uh, make it all spiritual, and then we'll be fine. Lord, we, uh, we are always preoccupied in our mind about what you're wanting us to say and do. And God, right now, we are, uh, we are very occupied about what you want to say and do right now, Lord. And I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would be something that you said, God, and it would be attributed to, to your words, God, and not my credit or my, my uh, you know, my citation. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and wield the word as you choose. And Lord, I pray we can, every one of us can walk away transformed from just a, a short amount of time together, maybe just, a, just about an hour together, God, we can walk away totally different and encouraged and refreshed just because we focused and tuned into your presence, God. And uh, 
You're the only way that we can be encouraged and, and move forward, God, with victory. And I pray that everything that's shared tonight would just be about you because you're the one that brought the story this far. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so my friends, we are going to have some good times tonight. I'm going to share with you, you've probably heard of the 12 steps, and everybody's like, the 12 step, it's a one step. Yeah, I, I, I get that totally. But I did, uh, I did really get a lot out of the 12 steps. I really did. And what, what I did is, is, a, is a pastor friend of mine years ago gave me this. It's the biblical 12 steps. And it's really good. And I get it that Jesus is the one step. But of course, there are, there's a whole journey after that one step. You've got a lot of things that God begins to uproot out of you, and you have to go and tell people you're sorry. Sometimes you go and pay them back, which is not a bad thing. And some people just tell you, don't pay me back. Just, yeah, you're good. And I think that that is called repentance. That is part of repentance. And so I think the 12 steps are great. I honestly do. Uh, just like I said, we have these at the Overcomers meeting we have these laminated, and it's the biblical 12 steps. I think it's great. So I don't bash any program. I'm not a basher. If you know me, I'm, I'm just not a basher. I don't bash politics. I don't, I don't bash people. I, I just don't see that it's a positive thing to bash anything. Uh, now, we can certainly make good assessments and have opinions, and that is, and that's okay. But uh, I think bashing is just never, never productive. It never feels like Jesus, you know? So with that being said, when I think about the biblical 12 steps or the 12 steps in general, I hear boundaries and systems, which are not bad. They, they safeguard your life a little bit. If you've ever came out of a lifestyle of destruction, you, you, you are not, there is no order there are no systems, and there are certainly no boundaries. So them are good things. Them are, them are God things. God institutes boundaries. If you read any part of the Old Testament, there are boundaries that, that he, he, he sets up, and they're for good, and you don't want to move the boundaries. So I, I feel the same way about freedom in our life from any kind of addiction, any kind of bondage, anything that's stealing from your life. It's good that God institutes boundaries for you. No problem. There are boundaries in my marriage. I, I, I'm not looking at other women because that's a boundary. That's a good, healthy boundary. And so I think the, the Holy Spirit can begin to give you boundaries and teach you things so you can continue to live the abundant life, right? I always tell people, I am one choice away from throwing away the abundant life God gave me. I'm just one choice. I can make one decision and everything will go straight. I mean, death and destruction. I mean, I'm no different than anybody else. So it's good to have boundaries and, and it makes it, it just insulates you from making ignorant decisions that could cost you everything. I also think about the book of Proverbs, which if you were ever in the program, uh, Eagle Creek or... Uh, overcomers it used to be called the, the rehabilitation program you read proverbs every day devin may remember that i think maybe devin was in there when they were doing that but they read a proverb every day 
And it's filled with wisdom. It's filled with practical life application. Like you can read in the Proverbs and and during that day, you, you're actually thinking, wow, this is really practical. I can live this today. And it's good. And what's funny is as you're reading, God continues to give you more understanding. You know, as you're reading, you're developing. Your mind is developing, which is good. You know, I used to think in school, this is so boring. You know, in high school, this is just, I'm, I'm bored to death. I didn't want to develop. I, I, I knew everything I needed to know about life. And I didn't need any more information, right? And uh, and that led me down a successful path, right? <laughs> Heck to the gnaw! It led me into the big old wall, and uh, and I, I was I was uh, I mean, yeah, it was a big old mess. So, anyways, now I learned developing is a good thing. Learning is a good thing. The twelve step also reminds me of repentance. It pulls the blinders off of our eyes. Sin, whether whatever addiction it is, it's just a sin problem. It, it really just boils down to being a sin problem, really. If you boil everything down, it just turns into being a sin problem. So sin blinds you. It's just how it is. You're deceived, then you sin, then you're blind, and then everybody around you is saying, hey, what's going on? And you're like, what are you talking about? Well, that they know, they know that something's not right, but you are thinking everything is good. Nope, something's wrong, and and so you're blind to what other people may see, and that's happened to me a million times. You know, I'm like, hey, something's up with me and you, and they're like, no, something's up with you, and I, that's because I had sin in my life, and I wasn't, you know, I was unrepentant. I was just, I was just put the mask on, you know, I was faking it and trying to pretend everything was good. But it, I was living a lie, and they knew it. You know, you can't you can't fake spirit-filled people out. That's what I learned. You can't fake them. You can fake everybody else out. You're not going to fake somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit. It ain't going to happen. Uh, you may think, yeah, I used to think that I was getting away with stuff, but they knew, and they called me on it. It was good. It was, it was, it was love. And uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm internally grateful for that because I knew I couldn't be slipping and sliding around um, around these, you know, around people that were really walking with the Lord. We don't have to go through the motions. We really don't. The more you look at the 12 step and the more you continue to move forward with it, you're just getting more free. There's not like, Hey, you do the twelve step and then you're good. You are you are good. Things are better, but you know you can keep doing it year after year, and and it and it. I mean, it just it does something to your life. It does something in your heart. You're continuously digging. Lord, show me what's in my heart. You know, we, we don't know what's in there. We, we really we may know what's in our head, but we don't really know what's in our heart. Only God knows, and He's the only one that can change it. He's the only one that can change the heart. And he can show you, hey, you, you, you got this in your heart. And you're like, what? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you. And, and, it, and it's shocking. And it's scary to pray that prayer, Lord, search my heart. But it's, it's a good thing because you're saying that in a quiet place. Instead of you being in a bad situation and something in your heart comes out, 
And then, whoa, what was that? Whoa. And then everybody's thinking you're a bad person. Well, just search your heart. Let God show you what's in there so it can be removed. All right, let's get going. I pray this goes from our head to our heart. All this stuff, not more information. I pray it will be revelation that leads to transformation. I'll say that one more time. I hope this is not more information, but revelation that leads to transformation. Because if you've got information and it doesn't transform you, it it's just, it's kind of useless, honestly. But if, if you latch hold of it and it begins to transform you and it begins to really work in you, man, that is amazing. Now that's good. That's good information. All right. So step one, here's what step one is. Are you ready? Here we go. I got my piece of paper right here. I'm ready. I'm ready to do the 12 steps. I got a piece of paper and a pen. And if you've got your telephone or you're just going to write it on the countertop, don't write it with a permanent marker because everybody's going to see what's going on and you know you kind of want to keep this to yourself. I'm just kidding. No, <clears throat> write down what, whatever you want to write down on. I'm taking me a few minutes. Thumbs up. All right. <clears throat> Step one. I know what you're saying. Oh, I don't need that. That's what the devil told me. John, you don't need to do that. Yep, I do. <laughs> All right. Step one is admit we are powerless over our addiction, that our lives were unmanageable. That's hard to do. Here, I'm going to tell you why. <clears throat> this is what I did is I went through all the things that I've heard from other men of God that I've learned over 16 years and other people in recovery, and I've just put it inside here so each little point has a bullet point. It's very hard to get help with a problem you justify that you don't have. That's real. That's a, lot, that's a packed sentence right there. Hard to get help with a problem you justify you don't have. Denial is your first roadblock to freedom. Addiction is when something begins to steal the quality of your life away. It makes your life unmanageable. You notice, hey, man, I can't live without this. You know, when I realized I was an addict, when I tried to quit, I was like, no, I can quit anytime I want. Well, that's what I thought. But that wasn't the case. And then I realized, hey, I've got a problem. And then I was like, <laughs> outside of that, how do I fix this problem? You know, what do I do with this problem? And then, then I was struggling because, I mean, then I got to tell somebody, hey, man, I got a problem. And if you're a guy, that is hard to do. Uh, we live by mostly, we are very prideful, private, you know, you know, like, oh, I'm good. Everything is good. That's kind of how we hold ourselves, mainly because we are head of household. So there's a lot of weight that falls on us. And when you admit, hey, I got a problem, you, you pretty much are waving the white flag and your man card and, and all the, them things that really don't matter. But that's just what we deal with. But the best thing to do is say, hey, man, I've, I've got a problem. And when I did that, the response I got was very interesting. Uh, just the, the support that I had. 
And I expect, I think we just expect rejection when we cry out, step one, hey, I got a problem. But here's the thing, is we've got all the support that we want. I mean, you you may share that with the wrong person and get a rejection, but if you share it with the right people and they're godly people, you're going to get support. Hey, how how can we walk with you through this? Listen, and then they begin to speak hope and truth and tell you that you're a world changer and tell you that you're the salt of the earth. And just like just like the pastors that that we were around when when I first got born again, Pastor Denny would say, "Hey champion, you're going to change the world." And I just got out of jail. I'm like, "Dude, I'm on probation." And not only am I on probation, but I almost went back to jail for driving drunk. And now you're telling me I'm going to be a world changer? That was a little hard to figure out. But when they see that you need support, they know that support is what gets you to your destiny. They know that speaking that hope, and they're speaking the word of God. I mean, really. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to change your life, is you lining up with the word and, uh, and moving forward with it. So that's step one. So we've admitted, hey, we've got a problem. Lives are unmanageable. Okay, no problem. So if, if you recall, and I don't know if I put these in the videos, but I was like, you know, uh, I, I love ice cream, you know? And if you like ice cream and you're not willing to admit that you like it more than you should, that's okay. You're not there yet. But remember, like we said, denial is the first obstacle to freedom. So I was like, hey, man, I got to cut this out. This My doctor is going to kill me. You know, when she sees my cholesterol, she's going to know that I'm not eating right. So I said, listen, I've got to put, as my father-in-law would say, I got to put the quahitis to this. And so I quit buying the ice cream. You know, the Lord wanted me to be healthy and live a long time. But I had to stop buying the Kemp's ice cream. And if you've never had Kemp's moose tracks, then you may not live in the in the in the in the north in the in the Midwest. But that's okay. There's hope for you because there's another one called Bluebell, and it's cookies and cream, and it is just as good. And let me tell you what, I used to sit there and eat gallons of that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's here's my deal. Here's my step one. When you realize that you're not calling the shots anymore and the shots are calling you. Hey, I'm going to this um, because I have to have it. Now, you don't have to have anything. You got to have food, water, and shelter in Jesus. That's that's kind of your basic, and, and you've got to have support. Uh, you know, there, there, are, there are some basic things you got to have, but luxuries aren't a must, Right? And luxuries and needs are two different things. So anyways, whatever it is, it, uh, it could be phone. It could be uh, any, I have no idea. You know, but that's step one. Okay, what's the problem? Do I have a problem? Is there anything that's lording over me? Is there anything that I don't have in order? Which we all have something. I had, I still, even though I got rid of the ice cream, now it, it'll be something else. Uh, it'll you know be eating healthier or 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 uh, or uh, your temper or your mouth. Well, boy, let me tell you what you got to keep Lord over this thing. So there's there's always something. If we're real, it doesn't matter. We're trying to move forward. 
So step one, just write something down. This is something that I have to admit, hey, it's got, got a little, it's, it's out of order. All right, so step two, you ready? All right, I'm gonna move through as many of these as I can. Probably not gonna get them all because there's 12 and we're on number two. Okay, so this is this is First John 1, 8 through 9. This is going back to number one. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth, but if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from the wicked behavior. All right, step two. This is come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So that's step two. That's believe. That's really a hard one. You know, unbelief is very powerful. Uh, belief is very powerful. And with the two, if you believe, the Bible says, if you believe and you speak to this mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. Well, immediately, my unbelief says, no way. You know, that's, that's, that's just unbelief. So there's a little verse in the Bible that says, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's how I feel. I'm like, Lord, I believe that you're a way maker like that song says, but I don't know if you're going to be able to take care of this issue or, 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 or that or, you know, whatever. I remember when I was sick and I was terminally sick and they were really no good news for me. I said, Lord, I believe that you can get me out of this. And I know that nobody around me may, may believe that, but I believe that, and and you know, here's the thing: it happened. It ha I actually got to write a book about it. It was really cool. So there's belief. This is number two, belief. All right. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This is what I just said. If you tried to quit on your own, you found out very quickly you couldn't. That's why you came to step one, and you admitted that we're powerless. Right. Without Jesus, you have no power. You're a slave to whatever you have given mastery over you. The blood of Jesus, as we talked about last Thursday, bought us back from a life of sin. So we were slaves. Jesus' blood bought us back before we even knew what it was about, before we even knew that we were slaves. When I figured out there's been, before I, when I figured out that I was an addict, I was sitting in an overcomer's meeting and I was thinking, man, what he's saying is what I am and I need help. And so here's the funny thing is God began to help me. The blood of Jesus, it bought us back. It redeemed us from the grip of death and destruction. So easily to understand. There is no freedom without surrender to Jesus. He has to be Lord of all. He can't be Lord of seven out of 10. I tried to do that. I said, Lord, I'll give you these seven things, but I'm going to keep these other ones. Well, that meant that I was still a slave on the other three things. So that means there was still access the enemy had in my life. And so even though I was surrendered I was still a slave. And here's the thing. You're either surrendered all or you're not. And it's simple as that, really, because I used to think, well, I can walk the fence. That, that doesn't work. Not when you're in bondage. When you're in bondage, 
The only thing that's going to help you is the blood of Jesus. And and listen, he's not going to he's not going to take a halfway. He's either first or, or he ain't nothing. And I learned that the hard way is you can't you can't have both. You can't have worldliness and Jesus. They they don't mix. They're like oil and water. And that's a whole another deal right there. That symbolism right there, oil and water. So what what you what you got to do on step 2 is you got to say I believe which is a big word. Believing something and doing it are two different things. Really, if you believe something, you'll do it. If if you say, hey, I believe, and you don't do it, you, you don't believe. In my book, that if you're believing it, you're doing it. It's faith in action. That's what produces results. Okay, so that's Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So he's going to help you. You don't have to do it all by yourself. You don't even have to make it all up. He's going to show you how to do it, and he's going to give you the desire and the power to do it. I mean, the only thing he's not doing is doing it for you, and that's the only thing he won't do. He will never violate your free will. He always comes with an invitation. He always nudges, hey, let me show you how to do this. And I've told him, nope, Lord, I know exactly what I'm doing. And then, you know, however long that lasts. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to do it your way. And he says, good, because I am ready to move on. So, step three, are you ready? So we make a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God pretty much walks us right into where we left off on surrender just a few seconds ago. An encounter with Jesus is paramount for recovery. Without it, without an encounter, honestly, I don't see a lot of people making it. Without an encounter. Now, I'm not saying it has to be the first thing, but it's got to be in the process. Because that's what really pushes you from the, the, the word of belief and then moving forward into action. When you begin to encounter his presence and he begins to show up on your behalf, you're praying. Perfect example. Look, I've been praying about something for a couple of days, maybe three or four days. Excuse me. And today I got an answer. Something that has happened three years ago. I get a phone call today. Hey, Mr. Mauser, we're trying to get this to you. Uh, we don't have your address. That is like an encounter with God. He is trying to reach me. So I'm seeing God's hand move in my life. And then if you get in your Bible and something you read, and, oh, wow, I was just thinking about that the other day. And then he starts speaking through the time or Somebody walks up to you and says something, you know, God God wants to encounter you all the time. And that's what keeps you going. That's what makes your freedom a reality is he is always trying to set you free. He's always trying to reach out to you and pull you into himself. Uh, here's, here's what I, I know. What you behold, you become. And, and if you behold him and your focus is on him, you're going to become like him. And it's going to change your desires, the way you think. 
That's what it was intended for. He, he was sent to transform us. Of course, he was sent to, so we could be in right relationship with, with the Father, but it transforms us. It transforms us. So, okay. All right, I don't want to hang there too, too long. There will be many moments that you need to be in his presence. You're going you're gonna to be, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. You know, when the music dies down, when, when, you know, like right now, church service, there's no church services. So you got to be in his presence to get that weight off of you, get all that stress off of you, that anxiety. Allow him to show you the path out of your bondage. That's just part of surrender. It is so important to be spirit-led. Whatever the, the Holy Spirit's telling you, that's the way to go. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can, that can happen right now. It can happen tonight. And let me tell you what, I was so scared of the Holy Spirit. I was so nervous because I, I didn't want to be weird. I wanted it to be genuine. I wanted, you know, see, you hear what I'm saying? I want it, I want, see, I didn't understand surrender a whole bunch, but whenever I figured out God's not weird, God's not kooky, that he's genuine and he wants to make you the salt of the earth so you can tell people about what he's done in your life, that was cool for me. Like that was really exciting. So anyways, we believe born again, filled with, filled with power, healed, restored, and ready for service. God doesn't want you to just have to go around this mountain all the time. He wants you to be done with that and on to something else. All right, so this is Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So if you're off doing what the Spirit is telling you to do, you're not going to be a. There's no idle time. You're over here going, man, you know, I got to go and help so-and-so, da-da-da. I mean, you're just, you're having fun, whatever your compassion is. Uh, maybe maybe your heart is helping kids in orphanages. I mean, that's that's me right there. And if I'm busy doing that, I'm not thinking about over here the stuff that entangles me and keeps me in bondage. I'm thinking about, man, how, how can I go and have a great time with these kids in this orphanage or or maybe going to a rehab and just hanging out and playing basketball. That I'm active. I, I'm, my mind is active. Does that make sense? So, okay. Step four. Now I wrote on here, this can be hard. So this is probably hard. Uh, step four is make a searching, fearless inventory of ourselves. Yep, that is that is hard. Because what I what I'll say to you. And I and I had I had to do this, and it was uh, it was not pleasant. Dutch sheets. That's what he says. It was not pleasant. You will likely relive things that aren't pleasant. God wants to bring restoration and healing to all areas of your life. He doesn't just want to cleanse you of your sins. He wants you to be made whole and new. So it, it will be hard. You'll have to write down things that you may not like about yourself. Maybe things that you've done. Maybe things you've said. Uh, I know for me, I'll just speak up and share. 
You know, I used to verbally abuse my mom a lot. Mom's on here. I mean, I was so hateful. I was so full of hate and rage and anger. I mean, I was just toxic. Just poison would come out of my mouth. And, uh, and man, I had to write that down as part of my inventory. And, uh, and I remember telling my mom, I said, listen, I gave my life to Jesus because I knew I, I knew that was the right thing to do. And, uh, but on the other hand, I'm going to continue to live that way because I've told you sorry, which means nothing. I'm going to show you I'm sorry. That's part of repentance. It's not just saying something, but living it every day. So the other person that you harmed or you put through a hard time or whatever the case is can see there's genuine repentance, genuine just, man, you know, and here's the thing. Not only are you getting healed, but the other person is getting healed. I remember, Mom, I was I was speaking at a little bitty old meeting, and I love them kind of meetings. They're my favorite ones. It was in Shreveport, and uh, I was just sharing, and my mom was there. And so I stood up there. There was probably 30 people there. And I stood up and I was sharing and I seen my mom in the back and she was she was crying. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, I can't look at her. You know, I, I'm trying to talk and I'm trying not to look at her because, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it, 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 it would get me really, really. I mean, I would just fumble at my words. And the Lord starts talking to me as I'm talking to these people, which is really distracting. I'm telling you right now. When God starts talking to you and you're talking, it it is, I don't know if you got ADD like me, but I, I'm like, what? You know, I, I wasn't, I was preoccupied. I was talking and I don't, hopefully I was saying something that made sense. But God said, do you see your mom back there? And I said, yeah, I sure, and I've said this in my head. Yeah, I sure do. He said, yep, I, I'm back there healing her from all that stuff that you put her through. All them tears that are coming down her face, they're tears of healing and joy. And I'm restoring all them wounds that, that you inflicted on her all them years. And, oh, man, it was, uh, it was hard for me to continue that meeting. It was difficult, but it was good because I got to see something that I had. You know, I, I did that. That was part of, in my addiction, I, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how it was affecting people around me um, until I went to jail, too. My mom looked at me through a glass window in jail, and she said, you'll never know what it's like to know if you'll ever hug a kid that's yours or smell him again, and you're that selfish, you don't care. And she was right. You know, I was sitting in that jail cell with a, you know, I mean, she was right. And and that began to kind of let me know of the, the impact negative that I was causing to the people around me that I loved and cared about, uh, or, I, or I said I loved and cared about, right? So, all right. He wants to make you whole. When I looked, I had bitterness, unforgiveness, anger issues, identity problem. Man, I had all kinds of stuff going on. So this is what Psalms nineteen twelve says. How can I know the sins lurking in my heart cleanse me from these hidden faults. 
We really don't know what's in our heart. Only God knows what's in there. Now, we may have experiences that we may have hidden, and, uh, and it does affect our heart, of course. But God wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. And maybe that happens in your living room. Maybe that happens when, when you're uh, in your car. I mean, you could be in your car. I've been driving in my car one time, and I was crying so much, I couldn't see where I was going. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. He wants to meet you where you're comfortable meeting him. All right, so step five. We're halfway, we're halfway there, and it's 7.07. I'm so proud. All right, you ready? All right, so we got to admit to God and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. That was hard. But here's the thing. I had already had accountability lined up. So I had somebody that I could trust and that I knew I could, I knew they were a dead end. Uh, this guy down south, he used to say this thing. It's called dead man's talk. You guys talk together and there's nothing that's shared outside of that meeting. You can share anything, anything you can talk about. And if you have somebody like that, that's a good thing. Um, if you don't and you need somebody and you're a male, I'll absolutely be that person. Uh, but if, you, if, you're, if you're a female, my wife can be that person. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. I think that's, I think that's so healthy and it, and it protects and safeguards both people. I just think there's something integrous about that. So I had somebody that I could share and I had a laundry list of stuff. Hey, we robbed this gas station. Hey, we did this. I mean, just stuff that I had done that I needed to get out. I needed to get the stuff out. Then I sat my dad down. Hey, dad, I have got some real unforgiveness towards you. Da, 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 da. And I remember as I was having these conversations and getting this stuff out of me, oh man, I just felt so much better. I just, I felt like, I just felt free and I began to feel like an open book. And God intended you to be like that, an open book. You know, it's nothing wrong. Life hurts. And here's the thing. Here's what I used to think. Oh, well, you know, you just, you don't want to, you know, I don't like conflict and this stuff like, nobody likes conflict. Nobody likes that. But there's a way to go about it. You know, offenses happen every day. They just, maybe not as often since we're quarantined, but they still happen. And there's a way to deal with them. And that's the good thing. That's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? All right. So, God will not heal what you don't reveal. I was driving down the road one day, and he told me that. And I said, ooh, I don't like that statement. But it's true. If I keep it in here, God can't heal it. But when I say, hey, you know what, man? This, this is what happened to me years ago. da 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 God can bring healing there. That wasn't his intention. That was just something that happened. And you know what? Here's the, here's the other thing. is God will use that as a testimony. And somebody will come up to you and say, hey, man, this happened to me, da 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 And you say, you know what? Same thing to me too. And God healed me. And you can pray for him right there. Nothing better than that. See, we'll get to that in a little bit if I make it. All right. 
Then of course you have the accountability. Here's what here's what really intrigued me about James 4:16. It says confess your sins one to another and be healed. It doesn't say be forgiven. It says be healed, meaning you can confess your sins to God all day long and you'll be forgiven. But you can confess your sins to your accountability partner or n- not that they're God, but you're just you're just being accountable and you'll be healed. Isn't that crazy that it says that? It doesn't say be forgiven. It says be healed, meaning that you guys are sharing each other's burden, which that's how it should be. That person should be telling you, you guys should be walking together. That's that's good stuff. There's nothing wrong with walking together, especially right now. You've got to be walking with somebody. Isolation, depression, they will come on you. I mean, in this season of quarantine, it's easy to isolate. But if you've got an accountability partner, they're going to be asking you, hey, man, how you doing? And uh, you can tell them, oh, I'm good. And that's what everybody says, right? But that's not always the truth. And when you've got somebody that they ask you that question, you can just dump it out on them. Man, you know what? I'm struggling. Or, or whatever the case is. And that's okay. We're just humans. We're not perfect. I don't, I don't see anybody that, that uh, you know, that his name is Jesus Christ that is here to live a perfect life. I, I don't. But we can be Christ-like, but there's a, there's a method to that. There's or not, not a method, but there's a way to do that. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think we'll ever be sinless. I think we can sin less, but we just got to continue to move forward and be real. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, I'm going to share. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I can share some other stuff, but I'm going to share it later. Uh, I may have to, I may have to cut, cut this in half. So what I may do is do step six and begin to share some just very practical wisdom because I want to have time to pray at the end too uh, for, for two different groups or, or just whoever needs prayer. Okay. This is, hum- that is a humbling, step five is humbling. Getting all the baggage out of your heart, all the stuff that, 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 is, that is lurking in your heart, it's, it's hard. So here's what it says. Psalms 32, 2, it says, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Man, let me tell you what. I have never felt so good. When I, I learned to live an open, honest life, an open book, nothing to hide, it was, they say, liberating. It was liberating because I had lived this life for so many years with just all this baggage. You know, Nicole Crank preaches a message where she's got this backpack and all these things hanging from the back of her. And I mean, she is dragging through life. You know, I mean, just dragging stuff. But that doesn't, that's not God's intent. That's not an abundant life at all. That is baggage and bondage. And God wants to strip that stuff off of you and set you free. All right. I'm going to do this step six, and I'm just going to move into just sharing practical stuff. That has really, really, really helped me. Like, just stuff you can do tomorrow. You could write it down and start it tomorrow. All right, so step six is what? 
Be entirely ready to have God remove all the defects of character. Yeah, that's another hard one too. I should have said this one's hard too. But that's just surrender. So if you've made it, the three, you know, step three, you're ready to surrender anyway, which is good. That's good because you're going to need that a lot. Even, even today, I'm, I'm surrendering. Lord, I don't understand what you're doing here, but I surrender, which is, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's continuously, you know, because when we're out of bondage, it's a little harder to surrender, right? Because, you know, we, we become a little more civilized. We can make good choices. We, we think reasonable thoughts. Yeah, that's when it's hard to surrender because, you know, you have somewhat control of your life, but he knows best, so it's best to surrender. Okay, all right. God will have to internally tweak you. Yep, he told me one time, John, you have learned some things that were great, but I have to pull them out of you and teach you new things. And I said, what? You gotta be kidding me. And uh, he said, yep, you've got some mindsets in you that um, they may have worked for a season, but they're not gonna work anymore. And uh, that, let me tell you what, that was painful. And it still is painful. There are things that I do today that, I mean, they're not bad, but they're just not productive for what's up ahead, I guess. And so, You'll have to unlearn some things. It doesn't have to be bad. So, he'll have to do some tweaks. We likely learn behaviors that were not healthy. I learned a lot of bad behaviors in my in my bondage. You know, when I was living out, you know, the street life and all that. When I was, I learned a lot of things that were not good, and only God can help you uproot the mindsets and get you into thinking like he's thinking. So the only way to correct that is for God to uproot and teach us new behaviors. Period. Simple as that. I mean, it says, it sounds really simple, but it is, it is difficult because I used to read something and think that it meant, oh, this is exactly what it means. And I would go years and he would say, you, you know, that's, that's not what that means. And you have built a belief system around that and it's not right and I'm going to uproot it and fix it. And I was like, oh, Lord, that's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's, that hurts, which is good. He loves us. He's going to take care of us and he's going to make sure that you get what he's saying, right? That's okay. All right. Pointing out behaviors that need to change. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit will continue to point you to be Christ-like, to think like Christ. That does not come natural. No. No, it doesn't. You know, even, that's why it would trick, it would like, it would trip me up when it would say, don't depend on your own reasoning. And I'm thinking, well, that's what I'm, no, that's what I'm used to. So what was funny is a lot of people have said, man, you guys, you and your wife, you operate in such faith, and I'm like, dude, I have been the biggest skeptic my whole life. Like, I'm the guy that goes, is that real? Are you sure? Did that Red Sea really part? Like, I mean, that's how I think. And so God has to come in and say, John, you have unbelief. And I say, yes, you are right, and I need some help. 
and, and show me how it happened. That's, I, I'm a skeptic. And so as God shows me, then I become a believer. So that's how my faith walk came. I was sitting in a jail cell, and uh, the, the judge said, Hey, John, you, you, you're looking at 40 years, um, period. And I was like, What? You know, that's a long time. I mean, seriously, when you're a 21-year-old, that's a long time. And I said, God, this is what I said, God, if you're real, show me. Show yourself. Like, show up. I need some help. Make me a believer. And uh, he did. And he sure did, you know. I'm not saying that they just popped the door and I was gone. But eventually, I did get out. And he gave me a second chance to get out and, 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 and make a different run of my life. So I was always a skeptic, but God has always kept me moving forward. Okay, John, I know, I know you don't believe so much, but I'm going to teach you that this is me. And that's how it's been for me. And so he would tell me to do something that was crazy. I'm like, Lord, that is, that is insane. And he said, yeah, I know, I know. And it it always worked out. Every time he told me to do something, it always worked out. And it was way out of left field. I mean, for real out of left field. People looked at me like, you're crazy. And that's okay. I've been called crazy forever. It doesn't really bother me. Uh, but, you know, now I got a family. So I'm like, Lord, could you keep the wild things kind of, you know, maybe make you know, sensible decisions. That's, you know, anyway, but he doesn't listen to that. He doesn't, I don't even think he hears that. All right, that wasn't in here, so you can enjoy that. This is what it says, James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up in honor. No need to add to that. I mean, that's exactly what it, what it means. I'm gonna stop right there. That's That's halfway. Uh, and maybe I'll share the other six next time. But I'm going to share some some just practical things that have really, 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 really helped me. Um, because I learned s- bad mindsets and bad behaviors. And the Lord really helped me with all these things. Uh, just live a different... It gave me a different quality of life. like Like a better quality of life. Be frugal with spending. I had never been frugal. He told me, John, all the money you have is is mine. I gave it to you. And I want you to be frugal with it. And what what I learned is if I did that, I was able to give when when he said, hey, give this. And I was like, well, yeah, I can because you've been teaching me this. So these are just things that have really helped me and my wife, if, if, if she wanted to, this is probably like her opportunity. She would put terrible with money. That's what she would write. Terrible, horrible, terrible. And, and she was right. I was terrible. I really was. But she helped me. And the Lord helped me. Helped me learn about money. I knew how to make money. I didn't know about money. Okay. And there's, that, there were two different things. You can make a lot of money, and your spending habits, terrible. I'm telling you, I didn't make a lot of money, but my spending habits were terrible. But let me tell you what, God wants to bring order, and he wants, wants, I mean, he wants to bless you 
but there's some things that are going to help boundaries that'll help you be extravagant givers i've always wanted to be like that well in order to do that i had to learn to be frugal so i could give you know i can't go over here and spend it all and i don't have nothing to give you know that would that's what would drive me crazy is i would see a need and i'm like man i want to give so bad so anyways just two good two good things that i've really learned over the years this one uh I, I, was, I just dear friend, dear friend, dear pastor to my heart taught me this. Live in restraint. Goes back to being frugal. Doesn't mean that you've got to live broke or pretend like you're broke. Just live in restraint. Man, that has blessed my life. And 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 even with my eating habits, just eating in restraint, uh, living in restraint, just restraint and and not. Same thing with ministry too, or life where you're just blowing and going, and I mean your kids are just, you know, you're never home or whatever, you know. Live in restraint, you know, like enjoy your family, you know, <laughs> enjoy them because they're only going to be little, or they're only going to. This is what me and my cousin were talking about the other day. Your kids, it's a ninety ten. 90% of the time you spend with them is the time that they are in your house when they are younger till about 15. Then you'll see them 10% of the time. And it made total sense. And I thought, God, I better I better really buckle down here at this house, you know. And that's good. So just live in restraint. Don't follow trends. Oh, man. But... I have kind of learned a little of both, you know. Uh, I, I do like the, uh, I don't know, well, I really don't. I like the, I like some trends, but I am not a skinny jean guy. I'm sorry. I tried. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. And I don't have nothing wrong with skinny jeans. I just, I, it looked like, it looked like a giraffe walking. Seriously. I mean, just looked like two sticks walking. And I said, Lord, no, that ain't working for me. So anyways, I don't have nothing against skinny jeans. I'm just telling you. Uh, because the trend will change. Here's what I was looking at. I was like, you know what? That same pearl snap shirt that boy's wearing, my daddy gave me one back from the 50s. So anyways, all right, okay, all right. Be yourself. Be yourself. Listen. John O. Gates said this, and I'll never forget it. God will only bless who he called you to be. He won't bless who you want to be. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the truth. And I used to try to be, I used to try to preach like Pastor Denny or, or Ben Ward or uh, Mike Back. I used to try to preach like all these guys, and it never, I was so frustrated. But when I just said, you know what? I'm going to be John Mauser. Man, it was, it just changed, it changed me, it changed my confidence, it just changed everything. I, all I had to do was be myself. Take care of your body, you only get one. You only get one. So, that's it, you don't get another one. You only get one life, and that's it. You only, you can only do this once. So we gotta make a good run of it. Be honest. 
It always pays to be honest. I told Deacon, if you lie to me, I'm going to be double mad. If you tell me the truth, your punishment probably won't be as severe. And honestly, I may not even punish you because you told me the truth. Reach out to people first. Don't wait on them to call you. You call them first. And there's, there's, a, there's, I think there's health in that. I, I really, I really do. Now, sometimes you may feel like, hey, I've been toting this relationship or friendship or whatever for a long time. And it, it's no reciprocation. God may tell you, hey, don't reach out. You know, but I think it's always good to call people first. Hey, I'm just thinking about you. You know what's funny is you'll just you'll find yourself refreshed from that phone call, and it's beautiful. Right now, I'm so I really don't like all the stuff that's going on, but you know what? People are calling each other, FaceTiming. Man, it is great. We are connected again, and I love that. So, anyways, okay. We got a few more minutes. What I want to do, I really, 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 I, I want to pray. I love to pray, and I never want to end end a, a a session or a sermon or teaching or whatever without giving people two opportunities to to give their life to Jesus. Maybe they're maybe you've watched this. Maybe somebody hosted a watch party on here. I, I'm I, I really don't know. But I do know that there are people that give their lives to Jesus every once in a while on these things. They'll send me messages. And uh, it's, so, it's so refreshing. That's really what preaching the Word is all about or teaching. That's the whole purpose for us to experience God and move forward with Him. And sometimes He asks us to say, Hey, you know what? You've never, you've never asked me to uh, be Lord of your life. You should do it, you know. And so that that happens. And we don't ever want to not give an invitation for that. That that would just, it'd be, it'd be an utter waste of the time that we've had together. Uh, so I always want to give that opportunity. Uh, secondly, I, uh, I always think about, you know, the Holy Spirit is talked about in different places. Some churches don't talk about it, some do. Let me tell you what, that changed my life. Seriously, that, in, that experience changed, changed my life. I didn't have to live defeated. I didn't have to live ignorant of the word or confused about where I should go in life. Uh, that really, it helps me even today. I was talking to Christine. I was talking on the phone and I said, Lord, what do I do with this? And he told me just like that. I mean, as soon as I asked it, and uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, hey, watch this, da, 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 da. And it's, it's I mean, it's, I'm, I couldn't even explain how helpful it is. It is, it is paramount. So anyways, two things uh, that, that, that I love to pray. Um, first, if, if you have never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did a long, long time ago, and you know, you've kind of went, you know,